get started, if you would, find your seats and grab your Bibles. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, your memory verse for the week is where we'll start. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Uh, if you have not gotten your new sheet uh, for next week, family devotion sheet, the, the ushers have it. It is in the back if you uh, need that. Also, I would implore you not to cheat next week because the memory verse is right above me. Uh, and so please don't cheat, all right? Let's have some honesty. You're at church, amen? Um, you ought to be honest outside of church, but you're in church. I mean, that's even, makes me feel even worse if you do that kind of thing, but uh, so, you know, try not to cheat, and it's also the whole verse, so uh, go ahead and uh, be ready. That's Revelation 4.11 for next week. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 is where we are this morning, uh, continuing to talk about the Bible, and uh, last week we we covered some things on an overview, really, of the Bible, and uh, ten, this morning we're going to go ahead, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, Paul writing to Timothy here, one of his, uh, his preachers, his trainees that he has uh, worked with and, and helped uh, put in the ministry here, and he says, study, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, and so the employment here is that it's uh, ultimately you're pleasing God. You're going ahead and, and, and looking at the scriptures. And uh, he's making sure there's some understanding that the Bible is not just taken as a whole. Although it is a whole book and it is all put together, uh, there are some divisions that show up. And there's different things. And we're going to talk a little bit about the divisions. Uh, but the Bible has divisions in it. And we're supposed to study these so that we can be sure that we understand what is being talked about, who is being spoken to, and if it applies to us doctrinally, what is being taught in that passage is to us. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but uh, we do understand that uh, God is the one who wants to lead and guide you into all truth. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. It's to lead and guide us into all truth. And as we look through the scriptures and as we go ahead, uh, he rightly divides the word of truth for us. The, the Holy Spirit ought to guide and direct what you're doing. And God is the interpreter. We understand that. He is the one uh, that interpretations belong to. He says that in Genesis chapter 40. Uh, do not interpretations belong unto God. Uh, and so I'm not taking questions, Brother Mike. For... There's the, the ushers have them and they're and they're on the back table. I said that when I started. No, for le, for next week's lesson. Do you need week two? Yes. Um, so uh, interpretations belong to the Lord. We're looking for Him to give us the truth and to divide that out and tell us. Uh, where things fit and why they fit. And there's simple things that we do to make sure we understand where those things fit in. And as we look this morning, we're going to go ahead and, and try and uh, show some earmarks and, and some things that will de delineate where those things are. We divide those things uh, and put them in the right place. Uh, when people just go ahead and take whatever they want to in the scriptures, you find out that you get very terrible doctrine. Uh, you get things that don't fit and don't apply and they shouldn't be used uh, for who is being spoken to. And you take all those things and you take them all for yourself, then you find out that they don't, they don't fit. 
and uh, it's a bad fit. And you can get all sorts of doctrines throughout the Bible if you want to, uh, but if it doesn't apply to you, it's not going to work right. And so there's certain things, and uh, I'll give you one that we believe, and it's very simple, right? You get to the book of Matthew, and he tells you, He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Uh, if you don't pay attention to who that's written to, and who's speaking and why they're speaking it, you're going to get yourself into a mess and you lose the idea of eternal security and the truth of that. The doctrine of eternal security is I don't have to do anything to keep my salvation. I trust in Jesus Christ. It's Him. So then you turn over to the, book, the books that Paul wrote and you get into the Pauline epistles and he says uh, very simply things like, uh, you know, in, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I have a promise. Uh, we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from our vain conversation, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Uh, he says uh, over there in, in Romans, right, that uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's the promise. Uh, that's different than he that endureth on to the end. He says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves. We can do this all day, right? Uh, there's, there's a whole lot of verses on our eternal security and knowing that we're saved for all of eternity, and it's not by our works, and it's not by our good deeds, and it's not by us keeping it, because we can't. Uh, he, he is the one who saved us, and, and you get into all sorts of a mess when you start messing with where those divisions lie. And so we're going to look a little bit at that uh, today. And let's have a word of prayer, and we'll, we'll hop right into the lesson. Father, we thank you for the day, and thank you for your goodness. Father, you are a merciful and a holy God, and we love you. We pray you'd help us today as we look at the scriptures to be able to go ahead and, uh, Father, maybe see some of the things that you've divided out and how, how it works for us to be able to understand when you're speaking and when you're speaking to us and when we can learn a spiritual truth as well as learning a doctrinal truth. And so, Father, help us as we come to your word. We pray your Holy Spirit would lead and guide, and we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, there's... Certain things in the Bible, the Bible is, uh, you know, it's a letter ultimately written and it gives us the understanding we're supposed to have on eternal and spiritual things. The Bible as a whole gives you the truth. Uh, the truth is there. Uh, he says uh, in Psalm 119, verse 130, he says, The entrance to thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Uh, it teaches us the truth that we would never know if we didn't have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you don't have, the, you don't have the truths that you need. You don't have the understanding that you need. Uh, someone who has never read or seen or done anything with the Bible, the Bible makes it very plain. You, you cannot have certain truths without the Bible. How would you know about sin without a Bible? How would you know about Jesus Christ and what He did for you without a Bible? Well, well we can pass it on through word of mouth, but there's no confidence in that. There's no confidence, there's no standing, there's no, uh, there's no ability for you to have the truth and, and be able to take it and have it in, in right in front of you, have it. Uh, there, then it's just, it's the telephone game. <laughs> and you have no idea if the last thing you got is the right thing or if you got something totally messed up and it says nothing like what you should know. So he tells us in Peter, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereby ye do well to take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation. And he reminds us that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
And we'll get into some of that here later. Uh, but the truth is that God wants us to have a book. He wants us to have the records. He wants us to have the details. He wants us to have everything we need. And much of it is given as a warning, as instruction, and as the truth that God loves you. And he did, did some major things to take care of you. It is the way that ultimately God has everything set up. One thing you need to remember is the Bible is written, and it is all written for us. God put it all in there for you. But he didn't write all of it to you. Now that's a big difference, and some people miss that. They don't, they don't understand that. Uh, we understand. If you go ahead, and, and I, uh, I get the church mail often. Uh, right, and I go to the post office, and we have a post office box, and I open the post office box, and I pull it out, and I go to my office, and I got this huge stack of mail because we get all the all the checks for the for the missionaries, and we're doing all the things that we do, and things, and then there's there's missionary letters coming in that I'm reading, and there's uh, different things for missionaries, personal things for them. There's you know what I got to do? I got to look through the mail and find out who it's who it's written to. Uh, whose mail is that? Now, you might not have to do that much at your house, but we do that a lot right here. Uh, some stuff I send over to Mrs. Legault because it has to deal with our missionaries and their personal stuff and things, and she makes sure what they need and what they don't need. And uh, Some of it's for her. Some of it's for conferences. I'm giving it to Brother Kevin for youth conferences. I'm giving pastor refer- things. Uh, and then, you know, the bulk of it goes over to poor Gwen, and she has to go ahead and deal with all, all the money things that come through. And then i got to keep some. Some goes to Brother Buster with second chance. Some goes to, and i got to sort all that out. Now, all of that was for the church. It came to the mailbox. It was all for the address. P.O. Box 129, Martinville, New York. Boom, that's where it went. But not all of it was to any one of us in particular. It was to all of us. And we had to go ahead and make sure it gets to the right person. Well, The Bible is the same way in some respect. And it's the same way because the whole thing is written for you. There's things you can learn throughout all of the scriptures. Right? We all know Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Uh, Everything is written so you can learn something about God. Something about the way He organizes things. Something about the way He normally does things. But not all of it was addressed to you. He looks, he looks at Noah and says, hey, uh, go ahead and build an ark to the saving of your house. If you build a big boat today and tried to get two of every kind of animal, uh, seven pairs of the clean, and you're going to save anything? No. That's not your salvation. But it was Noah's. And if Noah didn't listen, then Noah would have perished like everybody else. He made it, he made, he preached. He was a preacher of righteousness to the world at that day. And he condemned an entire world because they refused to get on a boat with him. But if you go out there and go, hey, I'm building a boat. Come and get in the boat because it's about to rain for 40 days and 40 nights and we're all going to drown. I would look at you like you're crazy. Just like they looked at Noah, but for an entirely different reason. You didn't get that from where you're supposed to. 
That wasn't God's command to you. Uh, we can go ahead and spiritualize that, and you can make spiritual truth and spiritual application of Jesus Christ and the price that he paid, and you need to get salvation, and you get into the ark, you get into the Lord Jesus Christ, you get put into the body. You can do the, the spiritual application. See, that's for our learning. But doctrinally, you aren't building a boat. <laughs> and that's why there's those things. There's those pieces. Now, there's fundamentally, there's three groups of people that show up. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. We'll, we'll look at a few places here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And the Lord lays out three groups of people. And those three groups of people show up here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He gives the list. And in verse number 32, he says this, Give none offense. 1 Corinthians 10, 32, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. There's, there's your three groups right there. So who's that? That's, that's the Jews. That's any, the descendants of Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to the twelve patriarchs and so on. That's the Jews. The Gentiles. So who's that? Anybody but them. That's everybody else on the planet. The church of God is a combination of those two that have come together because in Christ there's neither new Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, and so on. And he puts them all under the same and they become the church of God. So there are things that are written to the Jews that are not about you. There are things that are written to the Gentiles that are not for you after salvation. There are things that are written to the church that's all for you. That is for you. It is written for you. It is written to you in particular. And learning those lines is going to be very important as you look at the Scriptures. It's important that you look for the Lord to give you guidance. You need, you need, before you start reading and studying... You ought to be asking the Lord. He's the one who gives the interpretation. He's the one who lets you know. And you know, let him, Lord, if I'm, if I'm not seeing this right, I need you to help me to see it. Because he's the one who's giving you guidance. He's the one who's supposed to lead and guide you into all truth. He's the one who's supposed to show you what's right and what's not. And oftentimes people get pulled off into weird things because they don't, they don't listen to him and then they don't listen to the ones who have been put in place to keep you in the right spot. Uh, how many times do we read something and go, I don't understand that. Uh, one, of the, one of the things, I want to say this because I might forget it later. Uh, I want to say this, uh, never, never, this is one of those times I say never, never go ahead and grab an obscure, odd, muddy passage that you can't easily understand to go ahead and, and base something great on that. It doesn't work well. Uh, if you can't understand everything in the passage and you don't get it, don't be basing something great off of that and go ahead and build a doctrine on it. Uh, it's not going to be good for you. Uh, we understand that uh, the Lord goes ahead and he purposely has designed the Bible to go ahead and be line upon line and precept upon precept here a little and there a little. He under, we understand that the Lord has laid out the scriptures so that we can cross-reference it and we can lay everything down and we can put all the pieces together so that we can see the right puzzle. And that's the way he's laid it out. He's done it on purpose. He's meticulous about it. Uh, in fact, we talked a little bit about it last time. That's the reason why he is so concerned about his words. It's not just the themes, it's the words. 
because he wants to make sure you have that and be able to, to study. When you go to study, you've got to be able to look at the whole picture and everything that he's talking about involved with that. Oftentimes, uh, you lose certain things when you don't take a look at what he says across the board on that same topic and that same word. Uh, it's amazing to me, uh, and I've said this here before, uh, the word love shows up for the very first time, not in Genesis 2, not in Genesis 3, not in Genesis 6. It doesn't show up until Genesis chapter 22. God waited 22 chapters to reserve the word love so that he could use it as a father about to offer up his son. That's the command. The first time he uses it, Abraham, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And then he goes ahead and you say, what does that give you the picture to? What he's going to do in the future? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon What was he doing? He was reserving it on purpose to do something spectacular with it. And there's plenty of those. Uh, oftentimes, there's some things you ought to think about before you, before you uh, go ahead and interpret what he's trying to say. Uh, number one, you, you ought to think about this. Think about is the verse of Scripture relating a story of what God told someone else to do or is it a command for me to do? Uh, Noah, I gave that illustration a moment ago, right? Noah, go build an ark. Well, that's not my command. But it does illustrate I ought to go ahead and tell others about Jesus Christ so that they have salvation because they're going to perish just like an entire world around Noah perished. We get the parallels, but the command is not the same. Our command came later, but we can get a picture of it in the Old Testament. We get a picture of it from Noah. Think about this. What if, what mistakes, what confusion could happen if someone else goes ahead and takes a passage that doesn't apply and tries to make it apply? Try to fit it in there. God is such a God of order, and He's, he's, he's so complete in His order that when you try to make things fit where it doesn't fit, you've got to cram it in there. Right? You get, you get the kid with the puzzle piece, right? Your eye has got this, uh, you know, little block thing, you know, where they slide the blocks through the holes, and it's supposed to fit and match the hole. Well, the people that designed this one that he had, uh, he's, he's got it. He, it's got the, uh, the Pentagon, and then it's also got, it's also got the, the cylinder, you know. And so the bad thing about it is, the cylinder slides right through right the round hole. But the pentagon will just barely fit if you shove it all the way through. And he's my kid, so you know what he does. It's easier to put it through the hole that's round than it is to try and match it up to the pentagon. So what does he do? He shoves it through the hole. Now he's scraping the paint off the outsides of everything, but it'll go. So I'm going to make it fit. You do that with the scriptures, you know what you'll have? You'll make a mess. It won't be right. It won't fit the way that it's supposed to fit. And oftentimes, 
people do that, and then they wonder why everything else looks off. I'll give you an example, and then I'm going to have to get into the rest of this. Uh, the idea, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with something very, very basic. It's something we've dealt with here before with different people asking questions and different things. This doctrine has never really been prevalent to our church, but we have churches in our area and churches across the country. And it's the idea of what we would call a Baptist brider. They don't like that term. Uh, they don't like it at all. So don't, you know. Uh, but what it is is it's that uh, a Baptist brider, their doctrine says that the Baptist church started with John the Baptist. Now we're already messed up, but I'm going to keep going and tell you what they believe. They believe that it started with John the Baptist, and it, they trace their lineage all the way back to him. And as they go through their lineage, if you are not a Baptist member of the church, baptized in a Baptist church, joined a Baptist church that was started by the blessing of another Baptist church, you're out of the lineage, you're not part of the bride. Yeah. And they believe this. They believe that every church is a body. They don't believe in a universal. If you're saved, then you're part of the body of Christ. You're part of the bride. They don't believe that. They believe you have to be a member in good standing of a Baptist church, giving your tithe and being baptized. They believe that. Now, they don't want to tell you that, but they believe that. That's their actual doctrine. And I can, I can go into more stuff, and it just gets weirder, but I'm not doing that for the sake of time. You realize, when you do that, you have now messed up so many doctrines in the Bible. Now, I will blow away a couple of those things really quick, just for you, just in case you ever run into somebody. Uh, when, oh, let's go with, uh, uh, when did the church begin? When did the church begin? I'm going to mess you all up. That's when you first see. That's when you see things in the church. It's at the death of the cross. A testament goes into effect when, according to Hebrews? The death of the testator. What is the foundation of the church? It's Jesus Christ. When does he lay that foundation? When he gives his life. He's the cornerstone. So, John's dead. <laughs> John the Baptist is dead. He's been beheaded. How could the church have started with him? If the church starts at the death of Jesus Christ, and there's multiple references, Ephesians chapter 2, just read the chapter. You just keep going across the board. There's a bunch of them. If it's the death of Jesus Christ that starts the church... Now, I'm not saying there were members then. You start seeing the members added in Acts chapter 2 and how he works through, and it's just a little while later you start seeing them. But the foundation for the church was laid at the death and burial of Jesus Christ. The resurrection starts it up building walls, and he goes ahead and breathes on the disciples and so on, and away they go. And They can't start with John the Baptist. Jesus isn't dead. <laughs> not only that, 
I don't see one reference at all <laughs> to the idea that every individual church is a bride. That doesn't work. They use these, these things, well, the letters were written to individual churches and this church and this church and this church. Okay, real quick, I'm just going to give you one thing. Acts chapter 9. Paul is going into, Saul at the time, is going into the city of Damascus. He's got papers to go ahead, and he's going he's to go into Damascus. And he's going to go and get all of them that are of this sect that has been going against him. The Lord knocks him down, and he says, Saul, Saul, why per persecutest thou me? We're the body. The body has many members and so on. Why persecutest thou me? Where's he going? He's going into Damascus. Um, you get back into uh, earlier in Acts. Where's the church started? Isn't that at Jerusalem? When Paul goes in ahead and, and recounts it back there in, in 1 Corinthians, his statement is, persecuting the church. Only one. Well, then he wasn't persecuting many churches. He only was going after just that one. But he was going into every city doing it. Well, then there's only one. Kind of lose the doctrine pretty quick there. Anyways, uh, you say, what does that do? That skews your entire doctrine. What's salvation? Well, according to them, it's being in a Baptist church. That's works. Baptized in a Baptist church and lineage of a Baptist, 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 all the way back to the Baptist. That doesn't work. That is not scriptural. You can't get that. But if you try to hold to that, you know what you'll do? You'll mess up all your other doctrine. It'll start twisting all your other doctrine. You lose eternal security. You lose all the, no matter what you do, the dominoes will fall. Because you've decided to not look at the scriptures the way you, you should. You've come up with the idea and you won't divide it the right way. Heresies almost always are the result of not dividing where you were supposed to divide. You've taken something you weren't supposed to take. That's over and over and over again. The Bible is a double-edged sword. It's a two-edge. And the Lord goes ahead and his statement about it is, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. You want to go the way you want to go? Then I'll let you hang yourself. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you keep going. The Lord's not going to make you turn around. You want to go ahead and be set in that, in that doctrine? You want to keep running with it? Okay, you can go. You can do it. But it'll end up, it'll end up hurting you more than anything else. A bunch of verses on that. I won't do that. Uh, but we understand. I'm going to do, do a simple thing. Uh, the first 39 books of your Bible are the Old Testament and the last 27 books of your Bible are the New Testament. You realize God put a divide of 400 years in between those two? And He divided them to let you know this is the Old Testament and this is the New Testament. We have a divide. 
If you can't see that there's a division there, I don't know how to help you at that point, all right? Uh, Old Testament, New Testament, Lord laid it out for you when he put the Bible there for you. Uh, there's a major division. There's, of course, uh, the Bible is, is one book as a whole, but it's divided into 66 separate books within it. Uh, the Old Testament, of course, I already said, is 39 books, and the uh, New Testament is 27 books, uh, most of which was written by Paul in the New Testament. Uh, the, there's about 400 years in between the Old and New Testaments, and it was probably written over approximately 1,600 years by all sorts of people, uh, from, from just regular common folk all the way out to scribes and people who are uh, supposed to be highly educated and so on. Uh, and as you go through the books... Uh, you find out ultimately the entirety of the theme of the Bible is all about Jesus Christ and His kingdom. It's His kingdom. Uh, it's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, two kingdoms put together. Uh, those two kingdoms, are that's the theme of the whole thing. Uh, you can't get away from it. And, and if you try, you're, you're not going to succeed. Uh, there's minor divisions throughout the scriptures, but the major one is the Old Testament and the New Testament. As you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, you find out the Old Testament is all about the story of one nation in particular. Uh, the, Old, the Old Testament is all about the nation of Israel. Uh, by Genesis chapter 12, you have Abram, later called Abraham, the Lord changes his name, and he starts the nation. And he takes Abraham, he calls Abraham out of, Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and he pulls him out, and he goes ahead, and he makes him some promises. And he makes him a wanderer, but he says, hey, I'm going to give you all these things, and your seed's going to be as the stars of heaven, as the sands of the sea, as he's going to multiply them, and he's going to make of thee a great nation. He says, I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee, and in thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And the entirety of the Old Testament is all about Israel. It's all about them. It's their history. The Bible is, is also, by the way, a history book. It is not a religious book. It's all about the nation. The New Testament is the story of the church, the bride of Christ. Because that's what the New Testament is all about. The New Testament in His blood is, is all about the church. The vast majority of the book of, of the New Testament is, is written about the church and how it's all going to go. The Old Testament, nation of Israel was accessed by a physical birth. You can't be in the nation of Israel if you don't have the right birth, the right lineage. You can't be a Jew, and obviously you can later become a Jewish proselyte, things like that, but the Jewish nation, to get the blessings of Israel, had to be a Jew. In the New Testament, John chapter 3, you find out you get to be accessed into the new church, that New Testament church, by a spiritual birth. That's vastly different. The Old Testament revolves around the promise of a Messiah coming and putting a kingdom upon the face of this earth. The New Testament reveals the wonder of an eternal heaven through faith in Jesus Christ, His Son. Those are two very different things. One is an eternal kingdom in heaven, and one is here on the face of this earth. And one is called the kingdom of God. That's the heavenly kingdom that you and I think about which starts to confuse people because we, we talk about it being heaven, but it's the kingdom of God <laughs> because it's a spiritual kingdom and God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
people get into trouble because they mix up the kingdom of God with the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are two different things. Heaven is a physical place. He says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He says that the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom that men fight and they obtain. How many of you ever ever had to fight and war physically and go ahead to get into the kingdom of God? No, you don't. It's a spiritual kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven, people fight to obtain. It's here on the face of this earth. It's the nation of Israel. It's the land grant promised to the nation of Israel. And we can do all sorts of things. And if you have a question about that, I will gladly answer that later uh, after class and after the service today if you want to ask. You can feel free. But that is a huge division that people miss. And that's how they get mixed up. Because Jesus is talking about it when he shows up. But when Jesus shows up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, when he's walking around, the economy doesn't take effect. The New Testament doesn't take effect until the death of the testator. So what are you in before he dies? You're in the Old Testament still. The rules of the Old Testament are still in in an application. They're still applied. That's why Jesus Christ had to fulfill all the law and the prophets. He had to finish. He's the Messiah come, and so what's he doing? If they accept the Messiah, they get the physical. But Jesus Christ is king over both kingdoms. They're his. So you know what he can do? He can offer you both. So don't get confused when he talks about one. He's not always talking about the other. There are some places he's talking. You look at one spot and he says the kingdom of God. You look at the parallel, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. So sometimes the principles overlap. But oftentimes they are not even close. And you've got to be careful of that. Those divisions are there. Uh, the Old Testament leaves disappointment as sin gains control and destroys get to the end of the end of the old testament that's dismal that's a curse (laughs) the new testament shows sin defeated at the cross of calvary and brings hope to all sinners that's a big difference the old testament is the story of man adam who falls in temptation the new testament is the story of god manifest in the flesh the man christ jesus who takes away the curse The Old Testament begins in perfection and ends in ruin. The New Testament begins in ruin and ends in perfection. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, That's why Paul makes it very clear in the book of Hebrews. He says that we have a better testament. And we have a better sacrifice. And we have a better... He just keeps naming them all all off. So why? Because the Old Testament didn't have what you and I have. And regardless of what someone wants to say, you can't find one verse of Scripture that will prove that the Old Testament saint looked forward to a cross. He didn't. He has no idea. The disciples are walking with Jesus. They have no idea. The, the scribes and the Pharisees have no idea. Now one person walking around figured Jesus had to die first. Not one. And until he dies and resurrects, all of a sudden they remember what he said. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost starts speaking and they start getting light from what was done and what Jesus had said and then the scriptures that they know and all the things start piling in. The major theme of the Bible on how it is done is two things. It's history. 
But then it's also history written in advance. It's prophecy. Throughout the scripture, all the scriptures, it's prophecy. It's not happening yet. Oftentimes, he's writing things, and they're going to happen repeatedly. There's going to be a picture of it, and a picture of it, and a picture of it until the actual event. They go, oh, well, that was fulfilled when Titus destroyed everything and came through. Not totally. He missed some stuff. When he destroyed Jerusalem and came through, he missed some stuff. He didn't do everything that the Antichrist is going to do. But he's a good type of it. He's a good picture. People don't want to learn history. So they have no idea. How do you know it wasn't that? Because everything that followed didn't happen. Everything that follows in the Bible, that didn't occur. Has not occurred yet. We're still waiting. Say, so how do you know that, that that wasn't the fulfillment? That's why he didn't finish the prophecy yet. So then it must be a later date. Say, so how does, does God work that way? I'm going to remind you a few things here really quick, and then I'm uh, go over to... Go over to First uh, Peter. Go over to First Peter, chapter one. I'm going to remind you of a couple of things. I'm going to read a few, and I'm and I'm going to have to stop. Uh, Jesus Christ. He's talking to the disciples, and he's talking about John the Baptist. And they say, "Well, isn't it true that that Elias must come? Elijah is supposed to show up before the the Messiah." And Jesus says. John the Baptist would have been him if you would have accepted. If. But because they don't, because Israel rejects Jesus Christ and they reject John and they reject everything, you say, what does he do? He moves on. The timetable changed. He gave them a chance to have that happen then, but they didn't take it so that he has to move the timetable again. See, that messes up the Calvinist right there. Why? Because God gives them a free will and he says, hey, you can choose to do it this way or you can choose to do it that way. When you reject it, though, I've already got a plan. You don't have to reject it. The plan's here. But when you reject it, because I already know what you're going to do. His foreknowledge does not mean that he has dictated what's about to happen. He just knows what they're going to do because he knows everything. That's not, that's not very difficult uh, to do, you can you can figure out what people are gonna what's gonna happen to somebody based upon the consequences of their decisions. Well, God does that for every decision you could possibly make. He knows every consequence. So just because he has every contingent taken care of doesn't mean that he made it happen. <laughs> and so here he is, and he looks at them and he says, "Hey, you could take John as as Elijah, and we'd go ahead and we can just roll on. But you don't want him, and you don't want me, so I'm moving him." And Elijah's going to come. But it could have been John as Elijah. But you missed it, so you're not boxing God in. He's going to fulfill all prophecy. And he's going to do it when it needs to be done, and all those pieces are going to fall into place, and he's going to let mankind keep choosing some things, and they're going to choose themselves right into the place they're going to go. You made a choice to get you into heaven. Mankind will make a choice, and they'll either get into heaven or they won't based upon what they do with Jesus Christ in this life right here. And then they'll make a decision after you and I get raptured out of here, and then they'll make a decision, and judgment will come. We get into 1 Peter, 
chapter 1, and uh, he says this in verse number 10. He says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. You know what he tells you? He says, hey, the, the salvation we have, the prophets talked about it. But notice, they've inquired, and they've searched diligently, and they prophesied of it. And it was in them to tell us it. They testified of it, but it wasn't revealed unto themselves. They didn't understand it. They didn't get the revelation of the, of the crucifixion. They didn't understand what that meant. I preached on Isaiah uh, like a month ago now or so, and uh, Isaiah's there, and he gets, he gets handed the prophecies. We have the, the book of Isaiah is one of the greatest books. It is the revelation. It is the key before you ever got to the book of the revelation that John wrote. And he's looking out over time, and you know what he's seeing? He's seeing points of prophecy that are popping up. And he's looking at those, and he's seeing them afar off. And he sees Isaiah 53, wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And you know what he's saying? Who? Who? And the Lord says, I can't tell you that right now. I can't reveal that. <laughs> but I need you to write it. Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We're Who's going to heal us? I can't reveal that to you, Isaiah. I just need you to write it. So what's, what's he doing? I, I can't tell you what that is yet. What is his son's name, if thou canst tell? <laughs> they couldn't tell you in the Old Testament, but you and I go, it's Jesus. And they go, what's his son's name, if you can tell me? I don't get to know that. Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord. Well, what's your name? Won't tell him. Why? Because that's Jesus, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. There he is. And instead he goes, uh, Jacob, what's your name? <laughs> he says, Jacob. He says, okay, I'll make you Israel. Instead of a supplanter, you can be a prince with God. And then he moves on. And over and over. He won't reveal it. Look over at 2 Peter. Chapter 1. The prophets wrote. They didn't fully understand. They didn't fully comprehend. They, may, they didn't get the details. They got the picture. They got what they were supposed to do. But that's all. They didn't get, they didn't get the full look. And he says in 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, verse number 16, he says this, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. 
we have also a more sure word of prophecy. More sure than what? More sure than a voice coming down from heaven with Jesus transfigured in front of their face saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am. Thou shalt be glorified. More sure than that. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The prophets all wrote. They had the ability to write. They had the particulars of what they needed to write because the Holy Ghost moved them to put those things on paper. They were to scribe them out and write and write and write. And they didn't have to know what they were writing. They just knew they had to write what he told them to write. They didn't have to understand it all. But they had to be obedient to write it. And this gets you into all sorts of other things that I I won't cover today. Uh, But just like there... He inspires, and you know what he does? He inspires to keep it. If God doesn't keep it, then he has failed Psalm chapter 12. Because his promise was to preserve his words, plural. If he doesn't preserve them, then he's failed to do what he promised. And he goes ahead and he'll he'll go ahead and, and have it laid out so that everybody can have it. And here it is. And the prophets had the ability to write all those things down because the Holy Spirit filled them up and they went ahead and did it. Now I'm going to say one last thing and I'm done. Uh, If you have ever gotten to witness to somebody, gotten to talk to somebody about the Lord, gotten to preach, gotten to do any of those things, you know what you have? You have a moment where if you've done it, if you've done it any, any length of time, you know what you've done? You've said some things, remembered some verses, or done those things, and you go, I have no idea how I remembered that. I don't know where that came from. I don't even know why I said that. That's the same Holy Spirit that's inside of you that was inside of them that went, hey, uh, I'll come down and you just write what I told you to write. You know what he told you? Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The words come out, they get written down, and away they go. And you know what he does for you? He does the same thing. Do you understand it every time you do it? Nope. <laughs> you go, I don't know why I even said that. Isaiah's writing, he's going, why am I writing this? The Lord says, you don't need to know, just write. Jonah, you don't need to know, just write. Hey, you don't need, just write. Moses, just write. Josh, just write. Okay. That's what he does for them. That's what he does for you. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you. You are a merciful and a loving and a holy God, and we love you. We pray you just continue to help us this morning. Strengthen us, Father, as we continue. We pray you would bless Pastor, strengthen and help him to have the right mindset and the right thoughts and the right words this morning, that you'd fill him up and help him to say what needs to be said. Father, we pray you'd come back soon to take us home in Jesus' name. Amen.